Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2020. My name is Amato, and with me are... Tori. And Torin. And dare I ask, how is everybody doing right now? I hear it's pretty weird over there. <laughs> I'm literally on fire as we speak. Well, Tori and I are recording from the fairly apocalyptic Portland at the moment. Where in addition to the plague, we have, you know, the worst air in the world that will kill you. And we've just been bunkering down at home for the last, like, two days. <laughs> that that sounds a little bit worse than I think I got food poisoning today. So I'm a little bit under the weather myself. But, you know, the world isn't ending as much over here, at least. On the other hand, if you got food poisoning, you are suffering more on an individual level right now than I am. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the air outside will make you a little nauseous, but not like food poisoning. (laughs) (laughs) The nice thing is, um, it has a way of sort of fixing itself after a while, like, at least making it better. You know, never mind. Let's move on. (laughs) All right, we won't dig too deep into that. What we are going to try to dig deeper into is Evangelion R which we also talked about last time. Last time was episode 99. I'm calling this one episode 99.5, both because it's Evangelion and because I didn't want episode 100 to be the second half of a discussion about something. And also because, I don't know, this one is kind of dense, right? Like, we barely skim the surface in the first part. Yeah, and the other advantage is that if I'm, you know, naming it Evangelion style, the subtitle can be, you can not finish the fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> Fair because enough. I did not, I only got through one of the two endings, I'm afraid. I'm pretty much in the same place as you, Amato. I got through the first three chapters of the second ending, but each part of that, and there's like six of those, is two to three chapters. So, yeah, not much. <laughs> yeah, I... Pretty long. It's the same with me. I got to the second to last chapter, and I felt like I was so close. Um, I'll say, though, for this to be a proper Evangelion title, I'm not sure 99.5 is quite arbitrary enough. Should be episode Q? (laughs) (laughs) 99.05 Q, maybe. That's fair. And then there's two subtitles. Yeah. Right. Obviously. Two dismal or seemingly not dismal subtitles that are secretly terrible. (laughs) Now, if you're listening to this episode, I hope that either you listened to the last episode and that we were semi-comprehensible or that you've read the fanfic. And so I think if we're, if we're talking about the fanfic from here, we stopped at episode 44 last time, right? I believe so. Uh, something like that. (laughs) To remind people the structure of this fanfic, there's a bunch of episodes continuing on after 26, because it's supposed to be like a continuation of the TV series, and then eventually it splits off into two alternate ending tracks. Yeah, but it actually splits off at after 24, because it's like as if instrumentality didn't happen. Yeah, which makes it weird that it starts with 26. But we, we talked about that last time, right. You're right, there's definitely no instrumentality happening in early on. Uh, what I'm trying to get at is that I guess the first thing to do is to talk about 
stuff that happens in the main track that we want to talk about before we get into the theatrical ending, which is the one we all read. Right. Yeah. Well, I want to start with a question, which is, when was this published again? Hmm. That is a good question, Tori. That's the kind of information I should have readily available. (laughs) Well, it's okay. The only reason I bring it up is because it sort of seemed like the first part that we read, before the track split into the two alternate endings, felt more like someone who wanted more out of Ava and had only seen the series. However, when you get into that first track, you get these similar themes to End of Ava, as if they'd seen End of Ava at that point, you know? Uh, The highly authoritative informational site TV Tropes tells me that it was released originally in the late 1990s, and it was republished with its super classy look in the early 2000s. Hmm. Hmm. And so when when was End of Ava? That's a great question. That's a I question. I thought it was 98. You could almost Google really quickly. <laughs> 97. 1997. So the author would have probably had access to the full Evangelion experience, besides those newfangled new movies, and the spin-off manga about any given thing, and the spin-off manga about Pachinko, and, you know, all those other things. They would have had access to End of Ava, it looks like. I was going to say, like, if, if they hadn't had access to End of Ava... They predicted a lot because I felt like the theatrical version, especially with Asuka's scene, was very end of Ava y. Oh, no, it, it's, it's very heavily based on end of Ava, and we'll get there. Okay. I guess that wasn't even a question, right? Just, just reading that <laughs> thing. But anyway, episodes 45 to wherever the end of that first track is. I, I guess thinking about the main, let's, let's summarize a couple of the main differences going on here. For one thing, in this continuation of the series, uh, things just keep trucking along, and Nerve has to fight some kind of manufactured angels created by this basically engineering company that the UN is using as a tool because Nerve is uh, basically gone rogue. And we've got a new character, Lin. He's from England. It turns out he has an equally traumatic experience with his mother as anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. If not more so. Um... And then there's some other stuff that we'll get to, I guess. Right. And Lynn brings in another new character in his love interest, who turns out to be much more important than maybe at first glance she seemed to yeah. be. Um, Let's. Aoi, Aoi, how do you say her name? Well, Aoi. So Aoi, um, Aoi, okay. Aoi is close enough. In our our English, like, way we want to say things. Which is the word for the color blue, right? Correct. It becomes relevant at one point in some sort of symbolic thing that Ray experiences that she keeps thinking (laughs) of blue. But anyway, point being is that this character, I think, basically, we didn't know this in the first part that we read, I believe, but in the second part that we read, it is revealed that she is um, kind of working for Seal and is not human. Well, in the main track here that we're talking about, at one point she she's talking to Shinji, and she's not super impressed, and she has this offhand comment about, like, I don't know what my brother saw in this guy, which was kind of funny. It, it makes it extremely clear that she's another Kaoru. Mm. That's basically what she is, in summary. 
And yeah. um, it, it also just kind of makes me laugh because, yeah, if you're, I, I feel like if you're going to fall in love with humanity based on a single individual, Shinji is like, wouldn't it be to everybody's tastes? <laughs> I feel, yeah. I felt very similarly about Lin. Like, I, I've just felt like both Shinji and Lin were such, such boring people, like, with no, and I, I didn't really get her total affection for Lin either. He seemed just kind of glum during the relationship, but. Yet she attaches herself to Lin really heavily, and it's not clear why, and it, I guess it's just supposed to be an echo of Kaoru, right? Like that, just like yeah. Kaoru kind of finds someone, Lin, Lin copies quite a few Shinji sort of, you know, beats, it feels like. He does. It's, he's a very interesting as a foil because he comes in as the new kid, and he's feeling depressed the same way Shinji did, and a little despondent, and has trouble with, you know, his both his mother and his father is also distant. Like, he's very strongly a foil. But then Shinji kind of gets to be the the guy who's been around the block and guide him a little bit, which gives Shinji a little bit more agency, I guess, or character. But then Lin has a distinct character in the fact that he fights back against Asuka very strongly. And he that's almost... when he gets to be kind of witty, you know, or catty. Yeah, but... Yeah, I feel like in the larger sense, nothing really comes of that. No, but it gives him a little bit more personality, or at least, I don't know, um, something more than what Shinji had. Shinji just kind of, like, checks out when confrontation <laughs> comes around. To me, he seemed, but, uh, he seemed like someone who was trying to rewrite Shinji only a little bit, like, how they wanted Shinji to react, um, without making him the central... At first, he seems like he might be like a really central character, but I don't know if by the end he's really like displaced Shinji at all. No, he's really not that central, which is one of the reasons he actually isn't that annoying. Like, yeah. I feel like occasionally I just cocked my head at him thinking like, what, what's your larger role here in this series? But he didn't, but that means he wasn't dominating things. He wasn't like overly obnoxious. He wasn't, you know, the center of the plot at all. Right. And no. I did, I did like once you learn I feel like some of his mental hangups are a little bit tell don't show, but in terms of his baseline trauma, <laughs> it was a pretty affecting story, and we we learned that in the section that we read for this week, like what his you know baseline extremely uh-huh. traumatic mother related circumstances. Yeah, his trauma is almost what young me imagined Shinji's actually was. Like before we sort of find out that Shinji's mom dissolves in the unit one test activation thing or whatever like i kind of assumed that like maybe something terrible like had happened between her and shinji and that's why gendo hated him instead of just gendo being gendo um it would kind of make more sense right yeah and you were saying amato like that this main part of the story these main chapters are just sort of more Ava trucking along. And I really felt that, like the fact that it just was the same. It was like, it was like they rebooted all of the plot points of the, of the TV series and just kind of did the whole like Lynn coming in and experiencing a similar uh, sort of, attachment to people as Shinji did in the TV series and it made 
no sense to me the entire time because I was like, Shinji has killed Kaoru. And like, how is everything sort of being normal for months after this? It, it, it kind of boggled my mind as I was reading it. That's a really great like, point, actually. Like, well, and it, it does come to be addressed a bit later on how Shinji feels about that. But that's something that Ava does that takes these troubled, traumatized kids and kind of abstracts you from their realities. Like, for some reason, and the fanfic does the same thing, you don't feel as impacted by their struggles as you probably should be. Like, Shinji has been through a lot, and yet this series makes you feel very removed from him as a character. But when you look at it objectively, he's this poor, terrified boy that you just want to hug. But then he does that, and you're just like, holy shit. And I feel like this does the same thing with Lin, in a way. Speaking of doing the same things with Lin, and yeah, last time Tara and I complained about kind of the, the tonal reset. But you're right, there's also this amount of plot point. Like, it, the fanfic doesn't do it all the time, but when it does, I'm just like, is this seriously happening? What I'm, what I'm key circling around right now is when Unit 6 is kind of possessed by an angel again. I mean, yeah. not... That's not, it wasn't Unit 6 last time, it was Unit 4. Uh-huh. Unit 3. Unit 3. But it's like, I, the, they have, you know, a couple times in the fanfic, Shinji kind of be along when Unit 6 is going out to test. And Lin pilots Unit 6, and Unit 6 is a cool design and all that kind of thing, you know. Uh, Shinji's around piloting too, just in case something goes wrong. Cause, you know, Nerve has learned enough, right? Uh-huh. And I feel like the dread of something going wrong, and the dread of Shinji maybe needing to, like, attack a friend or comrade or, like, you know, kill another person was effective early on in the fanfic. But then they actually have it happen. Like, they actually have... Is it... Was it another, like, constructed angel thing planted by UN Synapse or whatever the the company is? Or was it was it actually an angel? I lost track. Yeah, it was embedded, I think. And that's yeah. part of the problem, though, is that... Not only does it happen that time, but it feels like it happens like three or four more times. And and every single text test activation ends up being like an emergency <laughs> to the point where like, I'm like, why are you testing anything anymore? I don't know. Yeah, it's all pretty catastrophic. Here's what I do like about that, though. I mean, not about it always being catastrophic, but like the fanfic spends a fair amount of time doing Ava techno babble. Mm-hmm. And. But. What I, I kind of like Ava techno babble more than a lot of other techno babble, because I feel like it strengthens one of the core things about Ava that makes it really unique as like mecha type series go, which is that their technology is so janky. Yeah. It's like, Mm -hmm. they can, they can barely get these things working practically every time, you know? It's like, I mean, there's a stretch of Evangelion in the middle where it's just like, yeah, we got this, we're deploying the Avas, we're fighting an angel. And that's, you know, and things are like kind of consistent. But it's just like, you know, they barely understand the technology, they can barely get it to function. It's all like dependent on a bunch of variables that like half the time just go crazy for no reason that anyone can understand. Like, it's it's kind of cool thematically. Right. Yeah. And this fanfic definitely does keep uh. that going really heavily. It does not fall into making the Avas reliable, which I feel like would be practically more annoying than making the Avas too unreliable. Right. Like, I think I was kind of saying something similar before, but, like, this kind of gets the tone of Ava down. And like you said, Amato, like, yeah, they don't understand the technology they're actually working with because to some extent, kind of through the bureaucracy of it all, 
no one fully understands what they're doing. But beyond that, even the people who do understand how they're manipulating these other life forms don't understand those life forms and their ideas or responses at all. And, and this fanfic fully understands that. And in summary, what I appreciate about this fanfic is that it kind of has the tone of Ava downright. Yeah. It's it definitely, definitely does. Yes, yeah, and so that's definitely one of like the core things they're trying to do, I feel like, from the visuals on down. Um, let's move on to a different... Oh, I guess we, we didn't actually get deep into Lin's trauma, but um, his his mother had him help her with assisted suicide and it, as a child, and it was extremely traumatic and also, you know, damaging to his relationship with his father and all that kind of stuff. That's legit. Yeah. Yep. And I was a little unclear how that actually went down. Like, it seemed like in his flashback, she um, was sort of just like, I need you to be here with me while I do this. But then it seems like everyone starts to blame him for basically murdering his mother, even though he was like five or something. I think she does have him like pull the plug or do something that she cannot physically do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think when she's saying be here for me, she means like she needs him to do this thing. Yeah, it must have uh, been something like that. It's, it's a little abstract in the reading. And uh, Amato, you were mentioning that you like the techno babble stuff. And I, over the course of this fanfic, especially with the arrival of Nerve Branch 2, because that's something that happens, is that it's revealed that for some reason, Branch 2 of Nerve is sort of revealed. Um, and all of its old technology is there. They get an Ava up and running with a dummy plug system, like within a couple months, which makes me wonder if Nerve Tokyo is, is truly incompetent that all of their stuff malfunctions all the time. And that the reason they do all of that techno babble is because they are actually like unsure of what they're doing all the time. And it's all barely hanging on by threads. Well, in the context of this fanfic, it's made very clear that the people who know what they're doing with this technology are Ritsuko. And the people <laughs> who kind of know what they're doing with this technology are Maya. And full stop. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Like, and so I very much believe, especially because Ritsuko has a lot of stuff going on, that, like, you know, some corners are being cut and perhaps, like, things could be better distributed in terms of science work. Honestly, she's the hardest worker I've ever heard of. Like, the fact that she's got, like, seven projects that basically she's the only one who can take care of. Like, sort of messing with the boundaries between man and God is, like, just sort of (laughs) ridiculous. Speaking of, um, speaking of things that, you know, man was not meant to know, hubris of our creation, all that kind of thing, um... In this latter part of the main track, plotline, we learn fully what Ritsuko has been working on that, like, Gendo's been keeping her around for just to do, and as soon as she's done with it, he basically disposes of her. It's this whole, you know, secret other project. And it is a kid named Tenke, and he's a clone, and he's, you know, a a test tube-like mad science-type clone. And you learn more about him as things go on, but he's a a hybrid of different beings or types of beings spliced together. Right. 
He's got some Saiyan. He's got a little bit of Namekian. Um, <laughs> what else went into Cell? Anything of note? Uh, uh, did Krillin go oh, in yeah, there? Frieza, Frieza. Oh, yeah, Frieza. Frieza's race. Yeah, I was going to say that. He probably um, didn't bother eating Krillin. I, I don't remember, though. Oh, I think that he <laughs> no. did. I, I don't think... Oh, eating Krillin, maybe. But I just mean, like, when he was originally being created. Oh, right. Mm. But we're drifting off topic a little bit, I guess. Um, yeah, well, Tenke is part... Isn't Tenke part Adam and part Lilim, like, in That's a way? the main deal. Is It's part Adam, part Lilim, right? And right. later on you learn that, like, the the human component of him was apparently, like, his DNA was drawn from Kaji, which Ritsuko did just because she could, apparently. I mean, she frames it as sort of like, oh, like, doing something for Kaji or recognizing, I, I don't know, like, it's some sort of memorial, but, like, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it never, it never really comes up. Um, it's... It does, yeah. It's more just a way to demonstrate, like, the feelings that Ritsuko had for Kaji, and also, like, a way for Misato to kind of connect with Tenke instantly when she meets yeah. him. Yeah. It serves that purpose. And Tenke, in general, is... He's kind of a stock, like, looks like a child, but wise beyond its years, innocent, learning about the world sort of thing. Personality-wise, I don't find him interesting. Well... He doesn't demonstrate much personality at first, but he's very, like, Ray in that sense. But also, he speaks ancient Sumerian, I think. Yeah, that's... something. A, I don't quite get why, except, like, Dead Sea Scrolls. But to be fair, I don't understand exactly what the Dead Sea Scrolls are supposed to be in Evangelion, as opposed to, like, what they are in the real world. Well, yeah. it's it's just, like, you know the use that Ava has of Christian and Jewish symbology, like Abrahamic religion symbology, is used strongly in Ava. So I think that's the reference they're making. Sure. Now, um, I was saying I don't I don't find him interesting as a personality in this, you know, really, but his his techno-babble role is actually kind of cool, where... You know, in the series, it's established, like, oh, you know, Shinji gets his synchronization rate too high, he's absorbed inside the Eva. Like, it's bad news. You don't actually want that to happen. And so, his role as, like, a half-human, half, you know, Adam being is that he's an interface, he's supposed to be an interface that prevents that from happening when a pilot is piloting an Eva and syncing up real well. What do they call him? The complementation. The, like, human, humankind's complement, basically. And he's designed to work with Ray, specifically. And mm -hmm. you actually get to see that work basically as intended, actually a whole lot better than intended, one time in the fanfic, which is basically just like they become this ungodly powerful, you know, shredding things with AT field effects kind of, like, super team. Yeah, it happens the first time they ever try it, and then it doesn't really work again. Um, <laughs> Very Ava. Right. And I kept expecting him to sort of become Kaoru, like, in his his role of, like, I don't know, sort of forming a really close bond with someone and then protecting them or something. But he sort of, 
I guess he might be one of the few like true distinctions between what I've read of the second track and the first track of the after the main series is that his role in the second one does seem a bit larger um but it's still fairly similar he's just sort of around speaking sumerian and sort of being concerned about the general cosmological in, like um consequences of ray's existence and um just sort of being someone for Ray to think about. I don't know if he serves much more than that, actually. Yeah. Well, if you talk a little bit about, like, Tenko's role as it goes on, what happens in the first track of the ending is that well, kind of... Before, before we go to the first track of the ending... Oh, sorry. And, we don't want to go that it, far. It, no, no, I, I'm fine going there. Like, there's all kinds of plot threads that we're dropping, but that's fine because we're not going to talk about all of them. Right. But it's just before we get into the first track of the ending, that is the theatrical track. Hmm. We need to talk about the theatrical trailer. Hmm. Did you watch it? I did not see it. Is it on oh, the... It, 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 it's in the multimedia section. That's what? like where they got the voice work done with like Tiffany Grant and whoever oh, Dendo's actor course. was. Yes. Yeah. I also forgot about it. <laughs> I forgot about it. take a minute and watch it? How long is it? Sure. Like three minutes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go get a drink of water. You two watch it. All right. All right, everybody's back, and we mostly watch the video. Sounds like, Tori, you can get the sound working, right? Yeah, I don't know why. It downloaded, it just didn't have audio. But the visuals <laughs> were pretty cool. Yeah, what were your impressions? I don't even know they had 3D animation in it of actual Evangelions and some 2D animation of, like, you know, their own characters they created. So I was like, wow, that's impressive. Yeah, I think were it was impressive. Were the characters actually animated? Uh, the 3D Ava models are. Right, but I mean, like, Ali um, shows up, but I'm not sure if she moves. I don't I think, think so. I think she was just so. sort of hovering yeah. in the background as oh, a still image. Yeah, her hair moves, but yeah, she's mostly just floating across the screen. Well, I think impressive is the right word because for a turn of the century, you know, amateur 3D animation, I'm impressed. Yeah, for sure. You can definitely see their limits in terms of like, I was going to say it's obvious they didn't have human characters because that's much, honestly, hard. You can't do it in 3D without looking on Canny Valley. And at that time, getting somebody to make any sort of, like, decent-looking anime-style people moving around on a computer would have been extremely impressive and probably, you know, too hard for them to work out. Yeah, it would have gotten them instantly hired somewhere. <laughs> hmm. um, even those 3D models, though, those are pretty cool. Yeah, the 3D models, according to the credits on there, were written not written. They were done by the same person who was the main writer, or like the only writer, basically. Nice. Um, whose name I forget. But it's like, man, yeah, this person had a lot of dedication and I feel like passion towards this project. And that's something I feel like you can you can feel throughout the fanfic is just the author's incredible like devotion to Evangelion in general, I feel like. I don't think he also no. composed. Go ahead. Oh no, he also composed half of the music tracks, and like so every time 
we pass a music track reading this, like that you can play that's, you know, composed for the fanfic. I just shook my head and I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of impressive multimedia here. Um, and there's also illustrations. I don't know if we talked about that last time. They're all done by the same person. Um, and some of them look like they're just adapted screenshots. But nonetheless, like, there's a huge amount of commitment made to this fanfic. Yeah, and I will say, like, to spoil what I liked about this fanfic a little, like, it, it kind of retains the dark and cynical tone of Ava throughout. And I don't know that I could be as into Ava and write this many chapters about such a dismal subject like <laughs> and and retain my optimism the way that the author has so and th- this trailer is just the pinnacle of it i think and the audio <laughs> audio is actually pretty good tori sorry you can't hear it uh i'll look it up later but yeah like we mentioned before they actually got actual um american voice actors from you know the the dub of Ava to do their work and i think there's a reason for that this author is someone who, without having a lot of the resources we have to understand this very heavy and complicated piece of media, understood it very well to the point they were able to write a continuation of it that, you know, they they put their own new characters into it, but they don't not fit, you know, and they clearly start to explain things that are only sort of implied in Ava to begin with that people spend a lot of time, have spent a lot of time trying to work out about what Ava really is talking about in a very literal sense. (laughs) And they clearly understood it, and they explained it. You know, such as being explicit about whose souls were embodied in the Avas and what that meant. And the whole stuff with, you know, the children of Adam and the children of Lilith. You know, they they were very clear about those points in a way that the original series wasn't. Do you, and you think that's maybe why the voice actors agreed to it, as, as they knew that? I don't know. Um, I would certainly think that if I had worked on a project that was so, I don't know, at a little bit way, uh, a little bit of a way, like, just very vague in its meaning, but had a lot lying under the surface, and someone else put another piece of media out there where they clearly expressed that they understood the author's intention. I would have been like, that's awesome. (laughs) Especially if it was well-written and this is well-written. Well, uh, let's spend some time talking about the theatrical ending, which is the one we all read. Um, It's fairly lengthy, but maybe, maybe shorter than the other one. I'm not sure. It's kind of hard for me to get the word count on these things, just because of the way the site is designed with the frames and stuff. It's, def- it's definitely a bit shorter. Theatrical ending, there's kind of a lead-in, and then there's annihilation and resurrection. It's like death and rebirth, get it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, and then a little epilogue. It's an homage, yay. <laughs> but it's not based on death and rebirth, it's very, very end of Ava. Right. Um, and. One of, it's interesting. At the very, very beginning of this fanfic in general, you get Gendo and Futsuki talking about how, like, Gendo's having a lot of international attention put towards reconstructing the city 
to help keep Seal off their backs, just to get, like, more scrutiny, more eyes on the city, basically. And that's kind of a main point of divergence in this canon from the main canon, because it means that uh, Seal does not send in the troops and kill everybody end of Ava style for the whole fanfic up until now, when that kind of finally happens, basically. Yeah. Uh I was just going to say, that kind of starts what's both interesting and kind of odd about this theatrical ending, which is that a lot of the beats are from End of Ava. A lot of the things that happen are just things that happen in End of Ava, but not all of them. And so you're reading it like watching, thinking like, wait, when and how is this going to diverge? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess this was what I was going to ask a question about to y'all at first is, did y'all notice kind of what I noticed that it seemed like the author was going kind of a different direction until they took up this ending and then it sort of mirrored end of Ava, like as if they were trying to slot their story into end of Ava in basically the very same way but including their characters a lot more. Yeah, I got the same feeling, and it, it feels very strange, because it's like, they they try to get there a different way. Like, for example, in Maine and Veva, everybody is in a really, especially all the pilots, well, especially Shinji and Asuka, are in extremely shitty psychological places because of all the shit that's happened to them in the series. But they're doing a lot better in this continuation, up until the movie, up until this first conclusion, right? And so the way the author, the author wants them at that same place for the end of Ava material, and the way he gets them there is by having somebody bring them there specifically and deliberately. Mm-hmm. That's yep. someone being Aoi, who for reasons, for you know, metaphysical, science fiction, I don't know, reasons I don't quite understand, once Seal manages to get the Lance of Longinus back on the Earth, Aoi is kind of bound to basically carry out their scenario of instrumentality um, and doesn't have the kind of choice of suicide, basically, that, like, Kaoru did. Um, and her plan was basically right. just, like, hang out with the humans. But when the lands comes back, she has to kind of move forward on all this. And she gets to, like, engage the various pilots in Evangelion-style inner monologue tormenty type things to get them all very distressed psychologically. Yeah. And what I thought was funny about her whole narrative is like, she clearly doesn't want to do this, but she kind of feels like she has to accept her role. Well, I think think we're supposed to feel less. She kind of feels like she has to, and more like she does not possess free will because that's a fruit of knowledge thing, I guess, rather than a fruit of power thing. Like if we're talking about the, the types of life in Evangelion. I think the explanation is supposed to be that she, especially because she doesn't look like the other children who are actually angels or Ray, who is basically just Lilith. Um, she doesn't have the same like pale skin, weird hair, whatever. And that's because be- she's, Oh, sorry, gone. Yeah. That's because she's, like the human disguise of an angel, like the angel will mm-hmm. pop out of her, right? Right. And right, because she doesn't have any Lilith in her at all. I think she's purely Adam, right? Well, yeah, but isn't that the same with Kaoru? 
Or am I misremembering yeah. that? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. All right. Um, yeah, so... I don't know. She refers, or either she or someone else refers to her as, like, the embodiment of remorse. Um, so it's like she's she's attaining all of this... Um, this interest in the children, she's coming to care for them, and then ultimately it's just the, so that she can mourn them almost, which I guess is fine. Um, but it, I still kind of hated it because uh, I kind of felt like the whole point of the original TV series was that like the children and to some extent the adults are just sort of being wrecked by their circumstances and it's not really deliberate exactly. Right. Well, I guess that's like disputable based on like what Gendo's true motivations are. But in any case, like it's not, it doesn't seem to be deliberate. It's just them dealing. And in this case, it's like, Oh, you've dealt better than we wanted. We're just going to force you into it. And that just, it, it lacked any like elegance to me, but you know, I guess the original source material did that well enough, so. Yeah, but I, I feel like the way they approach the movie plays to the weaknesses of this fanfic. Because, like, I I want things to be different if we're going to be doing this material. And they are different in some ways, just, like, not ways that ultimately end up mattering. It's like, the big fight with other Evangelians happens down in the geofront rather than up, you know, above the city. It doesn't because an N2 mine is set off. Like, it doesn't really matter. Um, Lynn is around, and he dies before Asuka gets to go in and, you know, fight and, like, you know, recover her berserker rage, like, uh, semi-sanity. But in the end, it doesn't really matter. It's like, in terms of, like, how it all plays out, right? Right. Um, mm-hmm. or, or, for example, Lynn's caretaker, who has come back in as, like, a basically UN operative She's really in a Kaji role. She's supposed to be there poking around, and she turns out she like knew Kaji and all this kind of thing. Uh, yeah, it's Sayo- funny. Sayo- Sayoko. Sayoko, right? Sayoko, I guess. Se- Sayoko? Yeah. Um, like, she's present with Misato when Nerve is being invaded. And, you know, she, she like stays behind because she and Misato have become chummy to like hold off the soldiers for like, at least a, a moment, right? Mm-hmm. But it still ends up with Misato bleeding out in front of Shinji, trying to get him to like go pilot Ava again and you know save himself. Like it, yeah. it leads to the same place. It's the exact it's same very, place. It's and very frustrating, actually. Except, um, was there? I'm trying to remember. There wasn't the same like weird pedophilia in this there one was. for Misato, was there? She, she or did kisses she... him then too? Yeah, oh, she weird. did. Yeah. That, that was the thing I kept thinking. I just kept thinking, like, she displays these signs of affection as she's dying. And I kept thinking, oh, she's not going to kiss him on the lips in that weird fucking way she did in End of Ava. Because that made me hate her whole character, even though I liked her before. And then, yeah, actually, she does it again. Yeah, what well, and And Amato mentioned the, the fight in the Geofront with Asuka and, and Lynn against the Angels. And I thought... 
Like I was so sure that this was the entire point of Lynn's character. Like I had this to change yes. the course of that fight, right? Right, exactly. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. Asuka does take a bunch of them down, but there are still like four remaining. So in this reboot, like Lynn takes four of them down before Asuka fights, and I'm like, oh, perfect. So now she can handle <laughs> all of the remaining ones. Mm-hmm. But no, they just regenerate, and she's still screwed. Especially because there's this unit four or whatever unit from America that shows up randomly that creates a vessel for Ray to be in, which is an entirely other thing that doesn't really matter well, either. Yeah. Well, th- th- that was the plot point that I found most cool, just in terms of, like, things gelling together in an Ava sense in a plot twist. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, uh, what is it? It's like the U.S. or something has, like, constructed Unit 4, and, like, they're sending them out basically to, like... um wait until these two sides are weakened and, like, get rid of all of them because we don't want Nerve or Seal around or having Evangelions. It's, you know, it's fair. Yeah. And it's piloted by a dummy system, which is to say, you know, a Ray clone or, like, part of a Ray clone or whatever. Um, and so when when Ray is down at the bottom, like, in front of Lilith with Gendo, and Gendo's like, Ray, you must do this thing that I need you to do. And she's like, eh. At that point in this fanfic... Aoi shows up and kills her and, and talks a lot because people talk a lot. But she yeah. kills Ray. And I'm like, whoa, that's a twist. And yeah. then yeah. Ray's soul migrates to the dummy plug piloting Unit Which... 4 at a very opportune time. And I was like, that's kind of super sweet. It's kind of awesome because then what Ray piloting this Ava gets to do is like save Shinji and Asuka. Am I right about that? Yeah. So, so she, Asuka. I think. she yeah. arrives in time to save Asuka's dummy plug, but not before... Uh, you the, mean her, her plug. Right, her plug. Be, entry but, plug. Entry plug, yeah, sorry. But not before the Ava also destroys Asuka's Ava. So it's, it's, right. it's like half good, half bad timing, but still, yeah. But it's so cool because it all hangs together, right, in Evangelion style, yep. where it's like, the point of Ray was that there's only one soul to go around with all of these bodies. But the point of the dummy plug is that you're, like, using kind of like that Ray's at least biology in order to make the Ava move. Yeah. And so the fact that, like, Ray's soul would just, like, hop on over to this one is at, at once kind of ridiculous and awesome and also kind of just makes sense. And it made me really happy, even though it really didn't matter. Yeah, that well, not mattering, though. It matters, like, you're right, it doesn't matter, but what, like, what's cool about it is what you described, and it's something that the author has done really well, is to build on the personality that Ray has in the ways that, like, you would hope that Ray is. Like, she cares about her friends, and throughout the course of this plot, she slowly started to realize, you know, like, fully the previous incarnations that have existed of her to the point where she's like fully self-aware and she's making a choice to be like, yeah, these are my friends and I'm who I am. And I like that the author did that very clearly. There's moments in this plotting that are very, very satisfying, which is why it's kind of really annoying when it just does a end of Ava again, or, you know, when the fan mm-hmm. in general just kind of does a thing that we already did in Ava. Do you think that's why they did the second ending? I don't know. I mean, I've got to say, 
based on the vibe I get from this fanfic, I think there's two endings because Ava has two endings. <laughs> sure. But, yeah. But the other ending is clearly, it's not based on anything the way this theatrical ending is. This theatrical ending is based on End of Ava. And that one, it's not based on episodes 25 and 26. It's just like going off in its own direction. Yeah. So probably I should have read that one and I would have been happier. <laughs> well, I I always want more End of Ava. So this was, this theatrical ending was nice for me. Like, because it did feel like it. And even though it was basically retreading the same exact ground, like, to be honest, I found most of the main fanfic so boring that this at least it was like action and like stuff happened you know mm -hmm. well to summarize stuff happened we end up with a giant ray and people exploding into lcl and instrumentality right yeah that's how it ends ah. yep but then let's talk about the ending of this ending because i really need to talk about it please so the last thing in this ending is a sort of epilogue and it is the the school comedy alternate world from episode 26, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. I mean, Lin's around, Aoi's around, Karu's around, whatever. It's like, it's the same deal. Yep. Um, and it ends there. It ends in that world. Yeah. Yep. Which what? makes sense. So, but, what do you mean, what? It's like instrumentality happened, the world was recreated, and this is like somehow a happier life, basically. Recreated into a shoujo manga, right? Okay. Yeah. I guess. Which is, that's Ava, right? Like, that's a thing. It's That was like the Shinji Ikari Rising project, you know? Well, no, I know there's alternate continuities that are set in that world, but in the context of the main Evangelion series, it is presented in this fanfic as like, okay, yeah, and, you know, things move forward and life is what you make of it. And like, you know, people, I don't know, like, it, it seems like it's supposed to be a happy ending, right? But I thought the yeah. point of that in 26 was that that world was just like Shinji's, you know, fake how he wants things to be rather than living. No. No? I, well... I think there's multiple reads. And I think for this fanfic, it is, it's both, right? It's like, we're supposed to be skeptical of this ultimately happy world. We're supposed to also believe it's a possibility because we're supposed to believe that the world has been totally recreated. It just has been done in Ava before in instrumentality. If the world's been totally recreated and started from scratch, we're supposed to believe this is a possibility, but also be like, is this the world we want? You know what I mean? Well, I just thought, I, I thought that world was supposed to be bad because it was Shinji just navel gazing and like creating a world where like people are how he wants them to be instead of like sure. how they actually are. And I so I totally hear you. And but... so there's a, there's a moment towards the end of this fanfic where it just gave me the shudders because he's chatting with Asuka. He and Asuka in this fanfic have had kind of like romantic tension, but it didn't turn to a relationship because they're both totally fucked up. And like, that's totally fair. And I'm actually kind of happy with how it, that it didn't go farther than that. Anyway, in this fanfic, in this alternate world, he's chatting with her. Sighing, she takes a seat next to him. 
Nearly a moment passes before he looks up again, only to find her looking directly at him. Their faces are so close that for an instant Rokubungi, meaning Shinji, finds himself looking into her azure eyes, where strangely he can see his reflection, curved and distorted, looking back at him. And I just was totally creeped out by that, because it's like, you're the only real person, Shinji, because it's instrumentality, <laughs> yeah. and like, this is just, this is all, right. all just the world you want. Right. And uh, I get that. But, uh, well, anyway, Taran, say what you're going to say, and then I will. Well, right. So, like, the only way I would be satisfied with that ending is if it's not a happy one, right? Like, if that is the dystopian future of all souls sort of brought into one pool of LCL or whatever, like, I want it to be like a cautionary tale. Like, you will end up learning nothing from all of this misery and just sort of deny everything and be in this happy world where there are no consequences. And yet young me was so interested in the idea that Shinji could end up being happy. <laughs> so like, uh-huh. I don't know. Um, what do you think, Tori? Well, well, that's kind of what I was going to say. Like, Hideaki Anno has admitted that he struggled with depression and that character in Shinji was reflecting his depression, which I will say, just to give a quick tangent, people who sh- hate Shinji Ikari are literally hating on a 14-year-old boy with depression forced to do horrible things with abusive, like an abusive parent. Like, I don't understand why people can hate him, and I think it's kind of messed up that they do, but I kind of understand the source which is probably the same self-reflection that Anno had in looking at himself and seeing, like, you know, this supposed cowardice. However, I've never seen any part of Ava, any of the alternate realities or endings, to be good or bad. Like, I see it as it's all kind of reflections of these very messed up, troubled kids. So if Shinji finds a happy ending for himself, I don't think that's bad. Like, I don't think that's delusional or self-deluding. I think it is a possibility in which someone who has struggled with extreme trauma could potentially be happy. And that's well, I get- kind of how I read Ava and this fanfic, is there's no objective fucked upness. There is only the trauma of these children and how are they trying to recover from it. Well, I guess... I have to conclude that this ending was a success then, because I'm looking at the author commentary. If you, like, select the volume, you know, there's some notes there. And this is what it says. The culmination of our efforts with Ava R, I Feel Fine, was the main goal of the project from its very inception. And this is the the epilogue we're talking about. The question this episode uh, begs is one of choice. Can man be selfless in his actions, his male-gendered actions? And yada yada, it goes on a bit about that. Secondly, I Feel Fine necessitates its own philosophy, one which I believe has been carried throughout both Ava and Ava R. In the end, the world is what you choose to make it, be you a staunch pessimist or an undying optimist. Our belief, though, is not stated outright. Rather, it is mirrored in the events to be found taking place within the script. It is here, reader, that we beg your interpretation. So I guess, in that sense, mission accomplished. Yeah. That, that sounds a little bit pretentious given that what they are doing is remixing elements that were already, you know, done in Ava. But I, but it's a very interesting thing to do to just end it there the way they did. And selfishly, 
it's just not what I what I want from Ava. Like I I I get the motivation to like believe that these children have choice or whatever, but to me it was always a very powerful text because it was highlighting how little control or like guidance children can get, right? And for me, like that's a lesson. Like that's something that I I can think about and like make me more mindful of how to deal with children. Whereas the idea that children will go through all of this and then just have the choice to change it, that's not powerful for me at all, you know? Uh, I get what you're saying, but actually I think a lot of people will read Ava without even considering the fact that the characters are children, because often they're played off to be analogs for adults um, and treated as adults, you know, even to the point where, like, they fantasize about older relationships sexually with older people and older people have sexual connections with them. Um, And I think, like I said before, it's the cool read of Ava that people get different things out of it. The hence the fact that like, you know, a 25 year old can see Shinji Ikari and be like, he's being a pussy because they don't recognize that he's a 14 year old kid with trauma and that's their read. Yeah. It's not a good read, <laughs> but it's a read. <laughs> it's true. Like, it is very fascinating how differently people react to Ava. And I wonder if there are any, like, college courses on it. Oh, there uh, are. Gotta be. Oh, yeah. There absolutely are, actually. Um, But I really liked your point there, Taryn, that, like, I think other people might take a different tact. But I completely agree with you in the sense that, like, for it to have meaning in the sense of exploring these as traumatized children, you have to take empathy and apply it to the read. But some people just don't. Like, they look to other things because there are a lot of other things in the text. Mm-hmm. Speaking of other things in the text... I barely started the track two, which is the episodic ending, mm-hmm. where, you know, after episode whatever, it just continues with another episode um, where the movie otherwise would have split off. But it sounds like you two read more than I did. I had a, a whole lot of childcare these past few days, but <laughs> with us being unable to leave the house, yeah, even more so well, than usual. Yeah, it's, so another, it's another like eight or nine or ten chapters um, that are quite long. So, completely understandable. What do you want to talk about from there is what I'm getting at. Right. Um, so, as far as I can tell, it, it doesn't really... Like, if the ex- explanation for why it exists is, is not just the hubris of emulating Ava and is to provide something a bit more original than copying End of Ava, I think it does that. Um, but it also just, there are some issues, right? So like they introduce a a character for a couple chapters who then has no point. It's like, she has a side story with Kensuke. Her name is with Kensuke. They're ringing Kensuke at this point. Exactly. As like a character who matters. So they kind of dropped him off like before the end of the first part, right? Yeah. And so it's a way to get him a love interest too, right? And his love interest is a, a 
blind Chinese girl who whose father wants in, wants to fix her sight with Evangelion in exchange for giving nerve information. Huh. And it's you know it's it it'd make a good I think it'd make a good fanfic on its own. In all actuality, like I actually preferred that romance to any other romance in in the fanfic. Like it seemed more real and legit and meaningful to me but then it doesn't matter at all so it's it's almost like just kind of the, that ending was throwing things in that maybe hadn't been thrown in deliberately before i don't know what did you think tori i actually didn't get that far okay. um, i got through the first three chapters of the second track so <laughs> Uh, that's what I was going to say before is I don't have that much to contribute because it seems like through the first three chapters of the second track, not much is very different. So I think you're going to have to field this one, Taran. Yeah, well, the other, I think the other major points that happen are the ending, like the final battle is also with basically the same players, but it's, it's not an, an exact copy of End of Ava and Owie and, um... Oh man, I'm forgetting the little boy's name. What's his name again? Tenke. Tenke. That's right. Um, both of them just have a lot more dialogue. Um, Aoi's plan, or Aoi's like, um, becomes a an actual pilot for a little bit before she turns into uh, an angel of death or or whatever. And but but she's she's less. She's less powerful. She's less. She, her her story arc's a little bit less. Like just turns into Terra bad version of herself. And yeah, yeah. Because in the first arc, she turns into a creature called Malachi, who's like a winged angel of death, essentially. Well, she's actually Malachi in this one as well. It's just that she has more influence over Malachi, I guess, because it's more drawn out and because. I don't know, you can almost see it like a sequel where Owie figures out that she didn't want to kill everyone after all, so this is her reality where she's, like, less into that, but otherwise, I didn't get too much out of it that was different, I guess. Did she make it to the very end? So I didn't read the very final chapter, which was unfortunate, but... Oh, um, right, you said so. Yeah, yeah I don't think that uh, the kid whose name I just can't remember. Tenke. Tenke, I don't know why. Maybe I just have Kaoru's face popping into my head or something, but yeah. Tenke doesn't make it, I don't think. Well, sorry, you know Tenke. It's, yeah. You know, one poignant scene, speaking of, that spoke to me in the first track ending was Tenke literally gives his life to save Reyes, but it's in this really dramatic way where they're both stuck, trapped inside Unit Unit O's entry plug, and she's literally running out of life fluid because the LCL is running out. And since he bleeds LCL, he, like, cuts his veins in order to saturate the chamber with LCL in order to let her live. And then, of course, he gets another body because he's also, like, a clone entity. But at that point, it was like Maya has been comfortably emotionally invested in him and sees his dead body and is just devastated. 
And Ray is also devastated. It was a very devastating emotional scene. And I think the author wrote it very, very well. Yeah, I agree. Or do we have any concluding thoughts or shall we go to praise and not praise? I don't think there's anything else I need to get off my chest. Like I said, there's tons we haven't talked about. If you like more Ava, then you might want to go check out this fanfic and read it for yourself. And we will, we have not spoiled everything because there's a lot of stuff. Nah, there's a ton of stuff. Buyer beware, though, it goes on for a really long time, like sort of the same character beats repeated, but it's definitely I guess we should, very Ava. I, I guess we're, yeah. we're easing into complaints here already, right? So what do we want to complain about in this fanfic? I think, I think the hitting the same beats thing is what bothers me most when I'm reading this, and it was kind of distressing in, you know, the first section that we read, where it's just like, I feel like this kind of thing has been done before, but in End of Evangelion, it's like, just, you just didn't have to do the same things that End of Ava did, not to the extent that you did. And it bothered me, and I didn't enjoy it as much as I would have liked to when, like, it's, when some cool stuff is also happening. I definitely feel the same way, and actually, like, the fact that the character beats are generally pretty depressing because it's Ava. Like, I think I got legitimately, like, not happy reading, like, reading this for long periods of time. I was like, you know what? The original TV series, it was fairly dismal, but at least there was an arc where it got to this low point and then it sort of ended. And in this, it's like you get to a low point then they sort of bring you back up a bit. Then they get you to another low point. And they bring you back up a, a bit. Yeah, it was it was a little brutal. But maybe I'm in a sensitive place right now. I don't know. No, I, I think you're right. And this, I will say this fanfic has been very long. We've done it over the course of like three weeks now that we've been reading it, right? Yeah. I think when we started, it was a lot more like original Ava started, which was having, you know, deep topics of trauma being presented and characters being developed, but also then having, like, high points and humor and, like, funny stuff between the characters. But slowly, just as the series does, though it only does it in 26 <laughs> episodes, whereas this is, like, I know a million words. I, that's a guess, but heck, it's long. Well, um, a picture is worth a thousand, and each episode had right. a whole bunch of pictures. Also that. Point being is that <laughs> it does the same thing Ava does, which is slowly it starts to drop the humor and get darker and darker and darker to the point where even when it punctuates a little bit of humor, you're just like, that's not even funny because it's just so goddamn dark right now. So I would say that, like, you know, most of it gets really dark towards the end. And I agree, that's a criticism of mine. Because it gets dense and it gets dark and there's nothing to really pull you out of it. In a way, like y'all said as well, it gets redundant in that sense. There's one more thing I want to complain about, and it's self-indulgent and nitpicky. <laughs> but Go for it. I, I want to do it. And it's not the ellipses, even. This needs to be the Amato rant minute about something no one else would notice. Oh, you probably noticed it. So, near the beginning... Of the first chapter of the second ending, there's a picture of Aoi. Uh-huh. And I just had to stop 
and go back and look at it again a couple of times because it's distressing to me. <laughs> the, the location of her chin there, do you know the picture I'm talking about? Where she's kind of looking up into the our yes. left. Yeah. Wait, which chapter? Uh, the first chapter of the second ending. Oh, yeah. It's like a lot of times the art is, you know, kind of like amateurish. And it's fine. Like, I mean, that's fine. It's, it's actually really cool that, like, different people contributed art and, like, some of it, you know, looks more polished, some of it looks less polished and all that kind of stuff. But it's just that one picture pulled me out of whatever I was reading. I had to go back and just kind of take it back in and process it. <laughs> I had to do the same thing with wow. that picture, too. Especially because I, I didn't, like, I didn't remember her description, right? And so, and, and even after that, I, I read her description. I was like, that is not what I imagined at all. Well, you've seen other pictures of her. I gotta say, though, I think a lot of these are image edits. And okay. some of them are done That's better than others. Like I said, I I was not in the slightest bothered by even kind of the sketchier drawings or, you know, the more amateurish drawings or the edits of drawings or whatever, except that one. Mm. It's that one. I'm sorry, I, I that hear one. Um, anyway. Let's I have, move on to praise. I have I have one other complaint. Um, oh, okay, but it's probably a complaint that's like almost universal among Ava fan fiction. But I, of the Ava fan fiction, I remember like Children of the Elder Gods. It mm -hmm. they weren't as bad, and that is that there is an incredible amount of abstract dialogue in this fic. There's just Scenes and scenes and scenes of different characters talking about meaningless, like, yeah, like BS, right? Like, so much of it, like, it's half of each fic almost. And I, like, that's very Ava y in a way, but it's, it was just too much to be read when there's no, like, cool, distracting, like, animation of crazy Kabbalistic symbols or whatever you know, to focus on. Um, yeah, actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that speaks to the redundancy. Like, a lot of the things the characters say are actually, they're well-written lines and they're very interesting. But they don't need to repeat the same themes over and over, the same ideas over and over. There's so many scenes where a character interacts with another and, like, Rei and Shinji, for example... Mm -hmm. Like, at a certain point, the author implies that they're into each other, but neither is willing to admit it. And they both sort of Wait, have you, some, like, self-hate. But they don't need Asuka? to keep... Re oh, sorry, yeah, Asuka, sorry. I said Ray, didn't I? <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> I but meant Asuka. I think that's the best example. That just keeps going, and it's the same exactly. piece over and over and over again. Yeah, it reminds me of my own fanfic to some extent. And... To, to and that's the thing is like I can totally see being very tempted to like as as a fanfic writer to just have all of these plot points you're wanting to like foreshadow but not really wanting to do it so you like come up with your own abstract thoughts about them and just put them on there knowing no one's going to like people might think it's mystical and cool but it's it's really just not interesting. Yeah, well, imagine writing a fanfic this long, though. You probably forget at a certain point 
what he'd written about, you know? Yeah. I kept thinking that the whole time. I was like, this author probably forgot how many times they wrote about Asuka and Shinji's, like, failed romance. Yeah. That might bring well, us to praise in- for me, though. Sorry, go yeah. ahead. No, yeah, let's go to praise. You want to start, Taran? Yeah, so there are some red herrings in this fic. I don't know if it's because the plot threads just um, were forgotten in the process of writing it or something. But, um, for instance, Lin's dad it ends up being the director of UN Synapse, and that never comes up. Like, that never matters in the actual plot. Um, like, once Misato finds it out or whatever. Which I like. Like, I like that there are, when, when it's a little messy, when well, there are these leads on potential plot lines that are never resolved. Like, I, I appreciate that because oftentimes I find that stories are way too neat in trying to make every single thing that happens matter. Like, I enjoyed that quite a bit. That's my first thing. Mm-hmm. Do you have a second thing? I I have a couple things, more things. For one thing, I thought that the author was really good at transitions at times. Um, and some of them were quite cute. Like, like Nerve would be asking about, where are the pilots? And we're used to thinking of them as children. But then we switch over to fighter pilots in like the two scenes that the that actual pilots matter. Like, I thought that was nice. Um, and then the other is the thing we've talked about, which is that it does seem to be very Ava. Yeah. Well, speaking of it being very Ava, which I know I said before, but for me, when I start to think about writing an Ava fanfic, I can think of tone in one part of my brain. I can think about maybe one character at a time in another part of my brain and who that person is. And then I can start to think about the plot of Ava. And then another part of my brain, it's all of the themes. And then another is the symbols, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like Kabbalism and, and everything like that. And, you know, the Abrahamic religion and symbolism. There is a lot going on, and the author still managed to bring it all together. And I still do feel like the characters read as themselves very strongly. And then they created three new characters. I think about three, basically, right? Yeah. Four, I think, but yeah. Four, Sioko yeah. doesn't really count. Oh, Sioko, yeah. No, Sioko was a good character, too. So, there's a few places where they fall short, such as Sioko being kind of like Misato, and Lin being kind of like Shinji, but they created nominal differences that made enough sense, I think. My point being is that they had everything in their brain settled well enough to make an Ava fanfic that included all the components of Ava. And I just, like, for me, I think I'm a pretty complex thinker. Like, I can lay things out, and I can draw lines and conclusions and make patterns. But this is a complicated thing to create a realistic fan fiction of, and I'm just really impressed that they did it. Tori, my praise was going to be the same thing, that, like, they're not... The author wasn't just trying and fairly successfully to, like, do a fanfic that felt like Ava. They were trying to do it in a way that felt like Ava in every sense. And I feel like the thing that kind of hammered that home most for me was a part in the first section that we read, 
where there's a gag in an episode where Asuka accidentally locks Penpen out on the balcony and he like gets really cold. Mm. And like he's he's really annoyed yeah. at Asuka when he comes back in. And later on he deliberately shuts her out on the balcony. Mm-hmm. And it's such a pen pen gag and such a kind of actually good pen pen gag. And it's like the author didn't forget about pen pen and they had pen pen do a couple of pen pen things. <laughs> and it's like on top of every other single aspect of like Evangelion that's like being addressed here and emulated or expanded on or recombined or whatever. It's like down to that level of yeah. kind of of approaching the source material and trying to kind of like recreate or expand on it. And I don't know, somehow I found that pen pen gagging impressive. Oh my god, no, that that was totally hilarious to me when yeah. pen pen actually locked Asuka back out because it went like most of the chapter without it ever coming up again. And then when it right. comes up again, you're just like, oh my god, it's happening. It was good. It was good. Yeah, and they, the author doesn't forget about Pen Pen later either. Pen Pen's just sort of around and kind of, you know, has that, some that's Pen Pen interactions. Yeah. yeah. So mirroring, um, of course, how Ava goes when it drops the humor off a little bit, but none of the characters are forgotten, even the ones that were initially played for comic relief. And I yeah. guess that means the other thing I've got to praise is that as a reader. A whole lot of this was just kind of like, yeah, okay. And I was skimming it. Yeah. But there were the occasional moments, and I've talked about a couple of them, where I was like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. And so, <laughs> I mean, I've just got to praise that. Like, yeah. There were, there were good ideas in there. I feel like there was a lot of kind of, um, maybe not taking it far enough or maybe trying to be too faithful to the source material for my tastes. But like, it had moments of like genuine, like good, enjoyable ideas that I genuinely specifically liked. And I feel like I've got to praise that specifically too. Oh, and also the, the very nice presentation as we've talked about. I think that's, mm-hmm. a, I think that's a great observation. Um, there are definitely times when I was like, Oh man, I hope this happens. And then it did. And I was like, nice. <laughs> Though I didn't mm-hmm. really want jet alone to happen, but we, we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> I was I kind of liked Jet Alone just because I I like the underdog, right? Jet Alone's very much an underdog. <laughs> Some Jet Alones show up in the fanfic. <laughs> Some Jets alone. Wait, <laughs> Jet no. together? No. Um. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, just to reiterate Tori's observation, like I did think the characterization was really strong. Like. I felt like the the children had believable enough trauma that I, like, even now I want to do my own self-insert where I can, like, provide comfort to the children and, like, just endless understanding support where they don't seem to have anyone because there are no therapists or anything (laughs) in this world. Um, Well, they all die in Second Impact. (laughs) No, it's the more trauma you have, the better you are at piloting Ava. So, uh, yes. yeah, and the author uh, actually like kind of explicitly calls attention to that, which I thought was kind of funny. But it's like a little bit subtle, so it's cute. All right. Well, I think we've got to wrap up our discussion of Ava N. Sorry, we didn't get to the end of the second ending. Um, maybe. 
Maybe we're missing a whole lot. It's we'll never know. It's unknowable. <laughs> yeah, Taran almost got there. So. Almost. <laughs> but I also want to thank you, Taran, for coming on because this was not an easy one, and we had you on for two weeks uh, or two recording sessions over the course of you know two weeks apart. It was a, quite a commitment, is what I'm saying. Yeah. It was, but I was happy to do it. Oh, good. Yeah, it's very impressive that even though you're the guest, you got through more of the reading than we did. Well, and we thank you. You know what? I'm all. I don't have childcare to do, so I'm constantly looking for reasons not to do my even less or even longer reading. I should say in in my law school stuff. So. There's that. <laughs> well, we appreciate it. This having been episode 99.5, obviously next episode will be episode 99 point, let's say, 7, 8. <laughs> no, we're going to be doing episode 100. And we'll probably be doing something special for that. Stay tuned. As for this, this was our part two of Neon Genesis Evangelion R in which we almost finished reading Neon Genesis Evangelion R, but not quite. Uh, the story was written and the project spearheaded by Maher al-Samkari, and a bunch of other people were involved in various capacities, including art, soundtrack work, probably working on those theatrical trailers, uh, you know, providing voice talent, probably working on the visual stuff, doing the doujinshi pages, like it's a whole thing. And you can check out our link to that at bit.ly slash rfr avar, just all together, like evar, evar. <laughs> and hopefully I can set up that link to work correctly. The podcast is edited by Dom Davis. The intro song is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku, and the outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find that album at other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. If you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode or the show, please contact us on Twitter at Retrofanfic, Facebook at Retrofanfic, Instagram at Retrofanfic, Reddit at Fanfic Retrospective, or send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com. We got all three words in there for the email address. You can also leave comments or reviews on your podcast listening service of your choice. Apple Podcasts in particular would be greatly appreciated. That's good for metrics of some kind, as I understand it. I know all kinds of things about podcasting now. I've only been doing this for a couple of years. Um, I understand how, how to podcast, cast pods. Anyway, I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Taran. We're just three Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other until third impact. Until next time, take care. Wait, second impact. We haven't had or, one yet. Well, right. Wait, which impact again? First. Uh, first impact was.
the dinosaurs dying and or Adam and Lilith right. crashing aren't into we, the aren't planet. Aren't we way past when Third Impact would have been, according to second, the scrolls? Well, second Impact true. would have been 2001 or something, right? Yeah. 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 Well, we went, we went to Third Tokyo. We should know. <laughs> that might have just been Second Tokyo. Uh, who can tell anymore? Crystal Tokyo. Ah, uh, yes. Well, does Third Impact create Crystal Tokyo? That's what I want to know. We never really learn what creates Crystal Tokyo, so probably, yeah. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Just turning all the carbon into diamonds everywhere. <laughs> yes. We liquefy and then become the diamonds. Until next time, take care. Again. Again. You are never finished listening to podcasts.